today. The Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents the Weekend Recap. And we're recapping anything and everything from UFC 281 out at Madison Square Garden. An amazing night of fights. Two new champions. A massive feature bout. A incredible slate of undercard and prelim bouts. So much to get into there. And we're also talking about a couple of big title fight announcements. All this... And more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us for episode 249. It's Monday. We're here to give you guys the weekend recap, which, of course, is all centered around UFC 281 out of MSG. Dominic, two new champions, a massive high-profile feature bout, and a lot of other action. I think it goes without saying, Dom, this was the card of the year. I I would agree. From top to bottom, not only was it a stacked card, but it delivered uh, Mm -hmm. to the highest degree. It was the best of both worlds. Yes, we've said at times on this podcast, you know, sometimes the name value doesn't matter as long as the action delivers in the cage. But we've seen cards that have no name. They, but it's kind of hard to really be that invested. We've seen cards that are stacked with names, but then the action doesn't deliver. This mm-hmm. was the best of both worlds. It united the MMA space for one night, and Dominic have a great card that just was stacked and delivered. So how are you feeling today as we get ready to talk about all that? I'm feeling good, man. It was a special card, and it seems like these Madison Square Garden cards always deliver, truthfully. I mean, it just feels that way most of the time, and it's no different for UFC 281. We have a lot to go over today, a lot to discuss, a lot of reactions and recapping to do what's next. I mean, the questions are going to be endless on today's show, so I'm ready to just hop on into it on this Monday. The weekend was great. Got to watch the main card with you, which was a nice little surprise almost. So I'm glad you're back home safely. We're in the studio. We rock now. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Let's get, well, before we get into the action from the weekend, um, mm-hmm. we do got to talk about our good friends over at Points Bet Sportsbook. They are the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show, and they have an exclusive offer for you, the listener, yes. you, the viewer, right now. You can get on your initial deposit when you sign up for PointsBet Sportsbook. That initial deposit can be matched 100% up to $2,000. Now, there are one of two ways that you can make good on this deal. One, you go into the description of today's episode, click the link, you sign up, and that's it. You put your deposit in, it gets matched up to $2,000, 100%. Or... You can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app. And when you sign up through the app, you just have to use code MMA Joes. That's MMA Joes at sign up. Put in your deposit and it gets matched 100% as long as it's up to $2,000. So, Dominic, I don't see why anybody wouldn't take advantage of this. To our folks in Ohio, we are getting closer and closer to that January 1st date. 
So if you can't really make good on this offer now, please keep it in the back of your mind. It will still be there when January rolls around. So with that, Dominic, let's kick it straight into UFC 281 and our main event of the evening and new mm-hmm. middleweight champion of the world, Alex Pahea, for the third time. Not once, not twice, three times. He has now beaten Israel Adesanya. Um, Israel Adesanya, of course, was really been a really great middleweight champion, a guy who had almost cleaned out the entire division, Dominic. Um, Alex Pahea is still very fresh in the MMA full-time. He, of course, he is a kickboxer. That's worth two fights with him and Izzy took place at. Um, was a little late getting over in the MMA. I believe this was his fourth or fifth fight in the UFC. Fourth? I think it was fourth. His fourth fight in the UFC, and he's just beaten a man that pretty much nobody besides Jan Blachowicz can say they have beaten prior. So what are your thoughts here? Because I think to me, what, what stands out to me in kind of the, now that we've had some time to reflect, it's been almost a little less than 24 hours since that main event was done. What stands out to me is that this fight was awesome. I mean, this was a just striker's delight. If you like good high-level striking, this was it. Because not only was it very technical, but it gave you those big moments. There was back and forth. But there was a couple of occasions where some grappling got introduced, Dom. I know Dom was very big on hitting that point home in the preview. Um, Who would have thought? Even Alex Bahia getting a a takedown to end, I don't know if that was uh, round two. Mm -hmm. Um, But... What's so funny, Dom, is we had given Israel Adesanya some grief, and I thought it was deserved. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it really matter if he puts on these highlight reel finishes and exciting barn burner fights every time out. No, as long as he wins, then he was going to have the resume and uh, the accolades to say he's one of the best of all time, and and he's going to get paid while doing it. So. You know, who it really doesn't matter, but we're a week to week show here, so we have to talk about our thoughts in the moment. And in the moment, mm-hmm. stock was low on Izzy in terms of uh, excitement and interest. He's one of the biggest stars in the world, but for it felt like the more hardcore you are in the MMA, the less you were interested in seeing him fight. And this fight was enough to overcome all of that. Like it was awesome to watch and Dominic, he lost. So what, what does that say when we have been clamoring for this kind of fight and then he loses? Yeah, man. Um, I, 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 in a way ate my words from Thursday, but I'm glad I did because I was hoping for a good fight and that's what we got. So if I have to eat my words time and time again on this show, I'll gladly take it if that means we're going to get a better fight in the octagon. And that's what it was. Uh, Alex was able to keep Izzy up against the cage predominantly for most of the fight. Granted, Izzy was still up going into that fifth round. I had it three to one. Uh, The fact that he had Izzy on the back foot, the fact that he had Izzy back against the cage, really having to move, stay on his bike, if you will, 
uh, said a lot about how ready for the moment I believe Alex was, even at times where it looked like Izzy was pulling away. He was getting the better shots in. Uh, he, he did not let up on the pressure. And that was one of the questions that Noah asked on Thursday was, if you had to say who is going to be the one to initiate or pull that trigger when the time's needed, we assumed and guessed that it would be Alex, and it was for the entire fight. But it did force Izzy to fight a bit differently. Izzy had to be a little bit more aggressive himself. He was a lot more active than what we've seen in the past couple of fights. But, of course, like Noah said, it doesn't really matter much when he loses that title. So what a just absolute shocking moment it really was. We've had two of the best champions of our era of this show, of us being fans, um, and Noah specifically even through the past six years that we've seen. And they both have lost within three months of each other in the fifth round when they were up in the fight. with, And both of them were one win away from tying a certain Anderson Silva record. It's just absolutely insane uh, what this sport can give to us, what it can take away from us, from these fighters. I mean, it's just you, you never know, and that's the beauty. You know, Noah said this before, in football, when you're down by 30 in the fourth quarter, there's not a 30-point touchdown pass you can throw. But you can be down and out. You could be 10 aided in round one and two, but in round three or in round five in this instance, it takes one shot and you're the world champion. And that's what it was here. Uh, Alex Pereira proved or shocked the world. I don't, well, I'd say he shocked a majority of the fan base. I'll put it that way. He shocked my ass. He almost left me speechless, as did Leon Edwards. We're just not used to seeing greatness get dethroned. So when it happens, it's it's a very eye-opening, reflective moment. And that's all that UFC 281 encapsulated. That's what that main event was. My hat's off to the new champ. My hat's off to the legendary uh, Israel Adesanya, and I believe we're going to get to see them too back in the cage again sometime next year. Yeah, what's interesting is that I, I guess for me, what kind of surprised me is going in, if you would have asked me to predict this fight, I probably would have, and I don't know if this goes against what I said on Thursday, but it, sitting down Saturday to watch it, I felt like, we were going to see that Israel Asanya had just sort of heightened himself to a new level. It was now just, he had improved such that, you know, all the buildup for Paheya and the two losses, it really wasn't going to matter that Izzy was just going to outpoint him and look like leagues above him. Uh, to something I had said before about the whole football comparison, the 30 point lead, that wasn't this fight at all. Uh, I mean, Pahaya's in this fight from start to finish. Yeah, it was in lead, but that first round was completely Pahaya's before the last two shots right as the bell rung. I mean, Alex Pahaya was obviously landing the more damaging shots for the majority of that fight. Now, he did have times where he gassed and Izzy was able to take him down and hold him down. You could tell that Pahaya's full MMA game is not fleshed out yet, but he is lethal on the feet. And it was a great matchup for him because it was Sonya also lethal on the feet, but his, he is not necessarily a well-rounded mixed martial arts. The rest of his MMA game, I would not say is near the level of his kickboxing. So what surprised me was how game Pahaya was like, I know I understand when you bring up that comparison, but 
I mean, you don't think that they was had like a point lead on Pay going into that fifth round, right? No, I guess when I say that, it's just the fact of the matter that it was three to one on the judges' scorecards, and mm-hmm. Izzy was winning that fifth round until the finish. So like he 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 was going to win even if Pajera, uh won the fifth, it was going to be three to two for Izzy. So I guess that's where the analogy comes into play. Yeah, so that's why the finish was imperative for him. I believe even Coach Glover Teixeira said in between rounds uh, that I think he said, you need a finish. And Alex looked at him. He said, I need to knock him out. He said, yes, you need to knock him out. And he went in there and knocked him out. So, Dominic, I want to transition here to ask you a question about kind of what I think what's next is pretty obvious. It seems like this fight gets run back. Uh, Izzy's built up quite a long time. Idle reign for middleweight. I don't think there's anybody at middleweight that is quite uh, ready for that title shot. Sure, if Whitaker beats Costa, and if Pahea is still the chance you can make, but I do think Izzy has a claim to an immediate rematch. You know my thoughts on immediate rematch. He views immediate rematches. Champion, one of the biggest stars. He's gonna get it. But I want to ask you, beats Izzy again? I don't care if it's a decision, a knockout, hell, a submission, whatever. I want to ask you about how sustainable this is going to be for Alex Pahea. Now, he just got the belt. I mean, we are less than 24 hours from him winning the thing. So it's obvious this is going to be very much in the mind. Your opinion might change. But I want to know right here, right now, less than 24 hours after the fight, is Alex Pahea have the makings of a long-term champion in your eyes? Oh, boy. Long-term champion. I could see it because, in a way, guys, aren't we just looking at a more powerful version of Israel Adesanya? Yes, he's not as well-rounded as an MMA, as a mixed martial artist as Izzy, but to the core... Izzy is a kickboxer and a striker. That's what Alex Pereira is. And I think that although Izzy's not a great grappler and he's not faced a ton of great grapplers thus far, I think he is able enough to defend against some of the wrestlers in this division. Not that there's a ton of great ones. There's one that could be coming to this division that throws a big wrench, but he's not here right now, so I'm not going to involve him. I think that we could see Alex tally off one, two, three, Four title defenses like Izzy. I, I really do. I think last night, no, I knew the guy was powerful. But when he's landing jabs that are knocking Izzy's head all the way back, this guy's power is unbelievable for 185. He's a light heavyweight. Let's just face the facts here. He's a light heavyweight fighting um, at middleweight. And I think he very well could beat a Robert Whitaker. I think he could beat a Vittori. I think he could beat a Costa. I, I really do. I'm not saying he will, but I think he can, and I think he has the skills to do a potential title run like Izzy did. I really do. I'm going to say no, and it's I'm just putting myself on a limb here. You do make a really good point about saying, is he just basically a more powerful version of Izzy? That's kind of like kind of making me rethink it. Like, man, yeah, I guess that's true. But – that that hole is huge. I mean, if you keep the fight standing with him, it's obvious that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And Israel Adesanya, to your point, is a more well-rounded fighter. But Izzy has never 
been he has never implemented a wrestling game plan he's never implemented a jiu-jitsu game plan Mm -hmm. i think he where where i'm agreeing with you in terms of his well-roundedness being better is he has become very good at avoiding the -hmm. takedowns at not allowing people to take him down his defensive wrestling his defensive jiu-jitsu is very good alex bahia's is not if it's someone more competent with him on the ground, someone who knew a little bit more about what they were doing than Israel did, I think they get him out of there. I mean, he just seems kind of lost when he's on the ground. Now, it also benefits that he's at 185 pounds. There's not a lot of great wrestlers in this division, Dom. Yeah. yeah. Especially compared to the others. Your best wrestlers that are currently in the in the, in the division... <laughs> are Marvin Vittori and Derek mm-hmm. Brunson. I mean, those are the two best wrestlers in the middleweight division. And yes, then you have Hamzat, who is pretty committed to 170, but we're kind of hoping is the 185. He would be, of course, the best of the bunch if he were to go up to that weight class again. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't think it's sustainable, though, Dom. Yes, do I think he could knock out any of the guys I just mentioned? Derek Brunson, I know he's about out the door, but let's talk about like Vittori and Hamza. Do I believe he could knock out those two guys if they stood with him? Yes, 100%. Ten times over. But I don't think they're going to. I think that mm-hmm. they will I think they will have an easier time taking him down than he's going to not have knocking them out, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if Vittori or Hamzat implements a wrestle-heavy style on him, and you know what's funny is Hamzat's the better wrestler than Vittori, but I almost have more confidence in Vittori to win that fight simply because I know Vittori will stick to a game plan. I know that he will not let the moment sort of overtake him and Mm. sort of make him fight out of character. Hamzat has not really shown me that he will do that. Yes, against Kevin Holland, it was very thorough and impressive. But that Gilbert Burns fight, man, he did not fight the smart fight there. So right. if he were to come in with Pahea and let's say it's in an MSG or a state um, crypto.com center, somewhere big, you know, big old mm-hmm. show, right? Who's to say that the fans are cheering and jeering as they're walking out doesn't make him want to stand and trade with this guy, which would be the dumbest thing ever. But right. Hamzat's a crazy person. He'd be just yeah. crazy enough to think he could do that. So all in all, if those two guys stick to the game plan and take him down, I think they could get him out of there quick. Mm-hmm. It is a mat. Now every fight starts on the feet. So that's the advantage, but man, it just seemed almost too like Israel. When he shot for those takedowns, I mean, Pahea just didn't look like he had much defense for it. Like, right. he just kind of stood, was still standing straight up. His base was square. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of defense behind those besides just trying to power out. And, you know, sometimes that worked because Izzy, again, not a right. well-rounded wrestler. But um, against someone better, more competent in that area, it won't. But... At the end of the day, Dom, you are right. Could he tally off that many uh, title defenses based purely on if he can get someone out of there to keep them on the feet, develop some wrestling defense, and 
make a good title reign out of it, he cor- of course he could. But yeah. if you had to make me guess right now, I'm saying no. I think this is going to be mo- more of a flash in the pan than a real sustainable title reign. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because when you ask that question, it's like, well, first and foremost, that first title defense does have to come against Israel Adesanya. So, you know, mm. it's just that's that's just a whole other part. Will we even get to see him go against some of these other guys? Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't get to defend the title at all. Uh, if, if he beats Alex, then what do we do? It's one-to-one. Do we do a trilogy there, even though it'll be the 27th time they fought overall? Like, there's a lot of questions. This opened up, I think, a big old can of worms for the middleweight division that prior to seeing the result i wasn't necessarily prepared for but now we Mm. are here so it's going to be an interesting next i think 365 days uh for the 185 pound division and that's my favorite part of this dom i take no pleasure in izzy losing i don't like it even though i was critical of him in the past it it's not that i wanted him to lose no. So when I say this, don't think I'm like celebrating. No, I'm not saying you, but the, people online do not think I'm celebrating Izzy losing. But I cannot deny the fact that Bahia winning this fight has made me the most interested in the middleweight division in years. Yes, yes. A lot of that's because Izzy was so dominant and had such a long run and some of those fights weren't great that my interest was a little low. And now you have some fresh matchups that can be made if Pehea gets past Izzy a second time. But also, it is the the fact that Pehea feels more vulnerable than Izzy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He like Izzy felt so much better than mm-hmm. every like he just felt like such a thoroughly bad matchup. He's a great great wrestling defense, doesn't all takedowns, and he just snipes you on the feet. Yeah. Pehea has more power. He's bigger, stronger, but man, that hole is just there and it's just begging someone to to shoot for that takedown and hold him there and go for the submission. So my interest in if if Pehea does have two, three, four title fights moving forward, I'm gonna be so interested in every one. Every fight because yeah you know where where he can win and where he can ultimately lose that title. And yes. that's just going to add a lot of excitement, I think. Yes, beautifully said. No, absolutely. Let's move on to the co-main event, Dom, where another title was up for grabs, the women's strawweight title. And Zhang Wei Li, once again, is your strawweight champion. She submits Carla Esparza in round two after a pretty interesting back-and-forth fight. Um, a fight that Zhang Wei Li seemed pretty in control of for most of the for most of the action. Carla having her moments, but ultimately, Dom, we pretty much what everybody thought was going to happen when this with this fight is pretty much what we got. Yeah, uh, I don't know if a lot of people were calling for Zhang Wei Li to get the submission victory, but that submission was nasty. Yeah, uh, almost having a crucifix on Carla as she choked her out that's the first time i've really seen something like that some very impressive submissions on this card and that was uh yeah one of them so um i guess the reason why this headline says strawweight title scramble is because dominic i believe that makes it is it eight women strawweight champions in the history of the division we've had car we had carla to start gets beat by joanna who gets beat by rose who 
gets beat by Andrade, gets beat by Whaley, who gets beat by Rose, who gets beat by Esparza, who gets beat by Whaley. So there's a lot of just familiar names coming exactly. right back into the place they left. Yeah, a lot of so new it's champions, a very, but a lot of the same name. So it's the most, it's obviously the most talented of the women's divisions, but how do you feel about that? That that's such a unique thing. A lot of times when someone loses their title, you you hardly ever see them back as a champion. In this yeah. division, if you are a first time champion and you lose your belt, I'm just gonna assume you'll be right back there in a couple years. Someday. So, yeah. how, how do you feel about that? That's kind of the case here. Yeah, I just want to get this right as you were going through. This division has had five different women as champion. Three of those five have held the title two times. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Yet only one of those women have defended the belt more than one time, and that's Joanna Champion. I mean, it in one reign, I should say. Rose defended once yeah. per reign, but in one reign, it's been Joanna. So uh, absolutely crazy, man. Um, it's been like patty cake with this belt, but it's all between the same women. I want to see some parody begin. And I, I do think, Noah, um, as reckless, and I don't want to say reckless, but you know, Zhang Weili just, she likes to have a fun fight. She's not been in boring fights, but I really mm. do think she's putting it all together. I think fight by fight these past couple of years, we've seen her improve a lot, even in like a loss uh, to Rose, not the first one necessarily, but the second one um, is when we really started to see all the new wrinkles to her game. And I think she does have the skills to uh, give Joanna's reign a run, you know, get one, two, three, four or five. I, I really think she's just going to keep getting better. She's so physically strong compared to the rest of these women as well. Uh, yes, it's deep. It, there's a lot of very good fighters in this division, but a lot of them are seasoned vets. As compared to like the flyweights, where there's a lot of young up-and-comers that are trying to get there, a lot of the women here, while they're all great, there's no new faces, no new fresh blood uh, in this division. And I just think Wei Lee does have that skill set, that physicality to be a long-standing champion. But for all I know, Someone else that's already been the champ's going to come right in and take it from her. But it was very good performance from Whaley. She came in. She got the finish, as many expected her to do. She's the champion again for a second time. And we probably did. Well, I know probably about it. We do differ on who we think is probably going to be next. I don't necessarily know what you're going to say. You probably know that I think Amanda Lamosh. I mean, I said it last week when she won. Mm -hmm. um is going to be the next title challenger i like that idea still to this day because it's somebody new that has not fought for the title yet and i think with the run she's on the two wins two finishes i think it'd be fun i think her and whaley together is a pretty exciting fight one that shouldn't be boring um i posed the question on twitter last night there's i i didn't see a ton of people really talking about what could be next for whaley so of course we're going to get into that discussion you've heard it from me mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen from two weeks noah Kind of give me your final thoughts now. Now that this fight's at least done, you probably have a little bit more to say anyways. You know what I find really interesting is that I think I realized why the idea of Amanda Lemos getting in the fight was so far-fetched for me. Joanna mm -hmm. was champion from 2015 to 2017, I believe. So she was, for the better part of two years, she held that title. Now, Carla, of course, was the inaugural champion. So that if you want to count that as a year, and then 2018 to now 2022, almost 2023. So the other five years, if you want to say that, that the women's strawweight division has been active, mm 
uh, the only women that fought for the title are the ones that have been champion. Yeah, it's great. Like, yes, Joanna's run. And I know I'm taking out the biggest part with Joanna's run because there was some fresh blood in there. Carolina Kovalkiewicz. And, yeah. Yeah, but when you look at everybody, look at the inaugural title fight was Rose Namajunas versus Carla Esparza. <laughs> and then Joanna yeah. loses the belt to Rose. Rose loses it to Andrade. Andrade loses it to Wei Li. Wei Li uh, has that war with Joanna. Then she loses it to Rose. Rose and Whaley rematch. Then Rose loses it to Carla. And now Carla loses it to Whaley. Literally, these are the only women who have ever fought for the title <laughs> outside of it's that. Insane. I mean, that's why it's so hard, I guess, for these women's strawweights to get into the front of the pack. <laughs> but yeah. um, I still stand by my gut um, that I think there's a 0% chance they give it to Lay Motion. I think there's a reason. Why you did not see much speculation about the future online, and that's because nobody cares about <sighs> putting a Mandalay motion in a title fight. Now that doesn't mean she shouldn't get it, right? It doesn't matter if the interest is low. We'll be talking about Josh Emmett later. Very mm-hmm. deserved that he's getting an interim title shot. Interest for him wasn't super high either. Mm-hmm. But if you have that interest behind you if you don't have any backing behind you then your resume better be pretty rock solid and i see too many holes in that amanda lemosh uh resume i don't think the win streak is long enough yes the win over marina rodriguez impressive but when you have someone who just beat her five months ago who's still technically a part of the division yes i know she's lined up to fight lauren murphy um I still think Jessica Andrade should get the next title fight over her. I'm still going to say that. I think even if they want to wait, I don't know when uh, Zhang Weili is going to want to fight again. Uh, I think Andrade fights uh, that in January in, in Brazil. In Brazil, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say she's ready if she wins that and comes out pretty unscathed. You know, I think by May she could be ready to go strawweight and i think you put her in that title fight 10 times out of 10 over mandalay mosh now i still stand by what i said about rose too now that carla has lost the why don't you put rose back in that title fight because look at how the first two fights of whaley were they were great moments and great fights and rose won both of them so to me, I feel like the in the hierarchy, I think Rose still has the best chance to get that shot. We can argue the semantics if it's deserved, if it's not deserved. I'm just saying that's probably what's going to happen. And then I would put Andrade a lot lower, and then Lamoche around zero percent. I stand by it, zero percent. Okay, and now just to <laughs> switch around the wording. Because you explained it all very well, and I respect it. That's fine. Mm. Who do you think is actually going to be Whaley's first title defense? Who is she going to face? If you had to answer right now. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Rose. That's Rose. Rose Rose is what you think is going to happen. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. All right. But give Amanda Lemos one more, then I can't say anything. Right. Right. We shall see. Have her fight Carla. Have her fight someone else in this top five or so. I won't say anything else. Give her the title fight. 
But so not then, even for the sake of parody, after all we were talking about, you're still dead set against it. For the sake of parody, meaning what? Someone new, rather than let's keep recycling the same people. Well, I, I, I would, I wouldn't mind to have someone new in there, but I don't want it to be someone new who I don't think has earned it. Okay, I'm just making sure. But I will not be upset if she gets it because I do think the timing could work out for her here. If Rose isn't ready and Andrade, of course, is at flyweight, we don't really know what her long-term commitment is going to be. Right. Uh, maybe she does slide in there and get it. So I wouldn't be mad at it. I just uh, I'm trying to be realistic, I guess, in my opinion. Now, your opinion obviously is much different. So. Uh, we will see how it shakes out. I think Dom tends to be more right on these things than me, anyways. So, I'm, I'm all, I'll end, I'll end with a take as we transition. Not to take, but this <clears> is what I'm predicting. Probably going to be wrong. Whaley didn't take a lot of damage though in this fight. Amanda Lemos didn't take a lot of damage in her fight. Amanda Lemos is from Brazil. Card there, UFC 283 in January. Zhang Weili going to go to Brazil and defend her belt against Amanda Lemos on that card. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you just want Weili to be the away team for every damn title I know, she fight has to that go. she's involved in, I don't know. you? I know, I know. It's hard, though. There's not a lot of events in China, so you know yeah. it's not easy. Um, we'll move to the feature bout of the evening, Dom. We said it couldn't suck, and it did not suck. Dustin Poirier... Wins the fight via submission in the third round over Michael Chandler. Nobody thought this fight was going to be good. I was the only one who said it was going to be good. I give myself a couple pats on the back for that one. Uh, Dominic, this is where the night went off the rails for us. But I won't get into that yet. I want to start by just getting your full thoughts on this fight. Because it was... Without a doubt, the fight of the night, an absolute war. It was very much, you said the reserve expectations, and rightfully so. Don't expect Gaethje Chandler. I think it was almost just as good as Gaethje Chandler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it showed a lot more, too. Because like on Thursday, I said I was more invested in this one because I think we would see more than what we saw in Chandler Gaethje, and we did. We saw grappling. We saw a submission finish. We saw submission threats. We just saw a lot more in terms of mixed martial arts, and that's what made it so much fun to me. The beauty of round one being an absolute war where you could have scored it for either guy. Chandler looked great the first half. Uh, Poirier came on strong the last couple of minutes and finished big, almost finished Chandler. Dead even going into round two. Round two, Chandler, very decisive, very dominant round. Some could have even scored it a 10-8. I don't think there were any 10-8s, but I'm just saying I could see people doing it. But it was all Chandler, right? He I had agree. Dustin in I trouble. Agree. Yeah. And then round three, you don't get to see much, but it's obviously Poirier's round because he gets the submission win in that third round. I mean, what more can you want from these two guys? That competitive rivalry we discussed on Thursday – came through from the time the bell rang to the time it was over, and they were having you know, discussions with each other after uh, the fight uh, finished. So it was just beautiful. It's everything you want to see between two guys like that. I, I mean, what more can I say? It, it was one of the best fights. It was the best fight of the night, one of the best fights of the year. We couldn't expect anything other. 
Yeah, and I'm going to go back to, I know, I don't remember exactly how I worded it on Thursday because I know it was very long-winded. I gave a lot of thoughts about really the motivation for these two guys going in, how I was more confident in Michael Chandler's motivation than Dustin Poirier. A lot to mm -hmm. do with Dustin Poirier sort of flirting with retirement at times or hinting at retirement at times, mm -hmm. while Michael Chandler still seems to be full speed ahead. Chael Sutton put out a video on his YouTube channel, and I don't think I watched it, but I think the title of it, or something, the thumbnail had this in it, or something, but it really kind of painted exactly how I felt, and that's that Michael Chandler is looking for title fights, Dustin Poirier is looking for big fights. That was how mm -hmm. it was worded, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling, that Chandler seems much more motivated to get that belt, while Poirier seems more motivated to get the biggest fight he can, if it happens to be for a belt, then more yeah, power so to him. It. But, you you know, if someone's more focused in their motivation, that can be a powerful thing. But here, Dustin Poirier was able to out... I mean, really... I, I don't have any, like, anything to say negative about either guy here. You know, no. I, obviously, Chandler getting submitted. I know some people will look a lot into that, but it was such a grueling war and so many yeah. momentum swings, so many crazy yeah. moments. And you know, Michael Chandler's good to pick up somebody and body slam them. And yeah, I mean, he was in there looking like Kurt Angle with the German suplexes and all yeah. this stuff. So yeah. because of that, like Chandler getting caught in that submission. I mean, was it a mistake that got the body triangle locked and everything? Probably, but. Heat of battle, man. It just shit happens. Uh, both guys come out of this looking great. Yeah. But Dominic, the real question is, you know, what does this do for Dustin Poirier in terms of his contendership status? You know, we just what I just said. I think you probably agree with me that Dustin seems more interested in just getting the biggest fight possible. Yeah. So what do you, what does he do next? Because is he has this win been enough? that he would fight the winner of Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky? Or is a fight in like a co-main spot on a pay-per-view against like Benil Dariush or maybe a rematch with Justin Gaethje? Like, is that maybe more realistic? Like, what, where does he really fit in right now to the title picture in your mind? I think that's honestly like the hardest question to ask to recap UFC 281. <clears throat> is that, is that fair? Yeah. I, I think it is. I think oh, it's yeah. the hardest question to ask the hardest question to answer because I don't fucking know. I have no idea. <laughs> he, he, he looked great. He gets a finish, right? He weathered a storm, did what he had to do. He's number two in the world. And yes, like the guy that he lost the belt to last year is no longer the champion. So that always makes it look a little easier, your path, but mm. is it actually easier because he's had two title fights. You they don't necessarily get passed around that easily. You know, uh, yes, some people get title shots quicker than others. Look what we just talked about with the strawweight division. I get it. But in a division like this, where new fresh blood is constantly making themselves relevant, putting together big win streaks like a Dariush, like a uh Fiziv, all these guys, Jalen Turner even now at number ten. Holy shit, I didn't even notice that until right now. There's a lot of people coming. And all these top five guys are the veterans that have been in that. They've been hogging it almost. So 
it almost feels like if Dustin actually does want a title fight again, he's going to have to fight a Benny Dariush or a Fazeev or, you know, whatever else. But does he want that type of fight, as Noah said, or does he want to just fight Gaethje again because the fans are going to love it? And you could still view it as a title eliminator, but then they're almost gatekeeping title opportunities from the rest of these people that are on these win streaks. It's such a hard question. And it just comes down to like the state of the division right now. But if I had to kind of answer, like he's not going to just get a title shot off of this win. I don't think that's the case. So I don't mind him and Gaethje again. I can't see a world where he fights a Benio Dariush. I really can't. Mm. No offense to Benio, but it's just like Dustin's been in those big money fights with Connor and fought for the title a few times and all this. Dariush has not, regardless of his awesome win streak. So I think, I, I don't know, no. Fuck, dude. I just rambled and went in circles and I don't even know how to answer your question <laughs> still. Like, please feel free to chip in. I just, I, I don't know how to necessarily answer what direction this puts Dustin and puts him in the driver's seat. But what road, what roads he going to go to when he's driving this vehicle? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do think he could get a title fight off of this. Uh, do okay. I think he will? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I think, I do think someone else may kind of sort of stake their claim, whether it's a Fazeev or a Dariush in the time after that Islam Volk fight, but you know, if Volkanovski wins that fight, then that's going to give more time for these these up and coming contenders to really stake yeah. their claim because yeah. he's going to have to go back and fight the winner of that co-main fight on the same card, and then maybe go back to lightweight. So you'll have a lot more time. But right. if let's say Islam wins and he's looking to turn around, well, we do know uh, Islam, I believe would be in the same case as Habib where he would probably not fight again until the fall right. due to Ramadan. Yeah. So I don't know if he is practicing like Habib does. I don't know, but I'm assuming mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't assume, but I am assuming that that would mean that we would not see him until the fall. So really either way, that doesn't really do Dustin very good in my opinion, in terms of the timing to get him an immediate title shot. But I actually kind of disagree with the Benil take that he wouldn't fight a Benil Dariush because Dustin is at a point, especially when you saw the announcement of his hot sauce becoming an official sponsor of the UFC. He is kind of the A side in a lot of fights now. I would agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of that, as long as the money's right and the placement's right, I think he will take on anybody. So if you put him in a co-main spot on a pay-per-view in Las Vegas or in Dallas or, you know, out West or wherever you might do it, and it's against Benil Dariush, I don't think the money's going to be all that different than if he was fighting a Justin Gaethje again. You're, you're probably right, actually. Yeah. Um, but I, I also could see, I would love to see him and Justin Gaethje run their fight back. I think that that was an all-time fight, and um, they've changed. They've went through a lot since then. They both have held the interim gold, and yeah, both have lost in high-profile title fights to two different champions. So it feels kind of like 
you could really run that back. They both kind of feel like they're sort of without a direction right now in a way. Like Dustin feels like he has too many directions. Gaethje feels yeah. like he has none. Yeah. I think maybe no. is the way to put that. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of options out there. It, it all kind of comes down to, you know, depending on what the contract status and yeah. what kind of deals they have going on, you know, Dustin sort of makes the big fight at this point. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I think he was the A side of that fight Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think that's so. fair to say. I don't think that's too, that should be pretty given, but mm-hmm. some people might disagree. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's really all I kind of have to say on the manner. Anything else before we move on, Dom? I like it. I really like where you took that. Yeah, let's get on to the headlines, and we got one big one here, Dom. February 11th, UFC 284. We will see back-to-back title fights, massive title fights here. Your co-main event will be for the interim featherweight title, Yair Rodriguez taking on Josh Emmett, and your main event, champion versus champion for the lightweight title the newly crowned lightweight champion islam makachev takes on the pound for pound number one fighter in the world and the long-standing featherweight champion alexander volkanovsky yeah so obviously we're probably going to talk a little bit more about that main event so let's start with the co-main dom Mm -hmm. first off don't believe his lies and in terms of Dana White, we love you, Dana, but you got me again. I <laughs> yeah. tried to I tried to say I believed him that there wouldn't be an interim title fight, even though I knew I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And not even a month later, after he said there was no reason to do it, apparently they found a reason, and now <laughs> yeah. it's happening. But I am happy about this. I am. It, it sucks for a guy like Arnold Allen. You know, Arnold Allen would have been is kind of the guy getting left out here. But I guess. Due to the way his fight with Cater ended, kind of softens the wound for me, I guess. It, it's not going to make him feel any better because he won the fight, and that just sucks. That's like a double sucking where you had this fight that was supposed to prove you are kind of next in line, and then Cater's knee blows out, and then there's all these question marks, even though he had such a good first round, Arnold Allen mm-hmm. did, and was maybe on his way to winning that fight. And then you get passed over for an interim title fight. But since his win was a somewhat delegitimate, <laughs> illegitimate by mm-hmm. the end of it, that it made me personally feel like, okay, you could do Yair versus Emmett and it not feel like someone's getting screwed yeah. necessarily. But Yair's got the same kind of thing for him with the yeah. Brian Ortega fight. So it's all, I don't know. It, it, either way, someone was getting left out here. Uh, but Yair Emmett, I'm glad Josh Emmett's in the spot. Let me put it like that. If there was one combination of those three that I would have been a, a little annoyed about, it yes. would have been Yair versus Arnold Allen, if I'm being honest. 100%. I know Arnold Allen's got the long win streak, but Josh Emmett I felt like was due to the the wins he had gotten and the, prof, the high-profile status of them, uh, the five-round war and other big three-round co-main fights he'd been in. I felt like the, the resume was really good and earned himself this kind of shot so i guess dominic early thoughts on the co-main yeah so i just want to say quickly 
And I saw, I'm blanking on the name. If I remember, guys, I'll try and flash it on the screen. But I saw um, a journalist come out. I don't remember like the company or anything, but he did an interview with Arnold Allen after the Cater fight. Cater actually re-injured his hand in that fight. So he's out three months already. Mm. So I almost wonder if Arnold was considered over Yair until they realized that his hand is injured and it, it didn't work out. So now he's kind of on the side. Just, but do with that what you will. I don't mind this either way. Yair, and again, Noah put it perfectly, Emmett, as long as Josh Emmett was involved, that's all that matters, mainly. And I think it's a fun fight. I think it's a really fun fight. Josh Emmett, 37, 38 years old, has recovered from torn ACLs. He's rallied all four or five wins in a row now. Uh, the war with Cater was an incredible fight. Yair had a fight of the year contender with Max Holloway to finish 2021. Then, yes, I, I realized that Ryan Ortega kind of blew his shoulder out in that fight, but Yair looked good too. So I, I like it. I think it's very fun. I like that they put it on the same card as Volk. So that way, regardless, their timetables are now set with the champion so that later in 2023 they can um, unify the titles. So, yeah, no complaints here for me, man. I think it's super exciting. You know, interim belts, whatever. It's a number one contender fight at the end of the day. That's all it is. So I'm glad it's between those two guys. And uh, may the best man in. (laughs) May the best man win. I'm excited for it. And, oh, boy, this other title fight is. Yeah, that main event, champion versus champion. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. I'm going to throw out my prediction right now. What's going to happen in that fight? Okay. Just to change it up. Because if I ask you what are your thoughts, we're just going to go in circles like what we just said. It's just going to be like, oh, we love this fight. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put it out there. Because I think both these guys are studs. A month ago, though, I thought it might have been a little too early for Islam to be lightweight champion. I put the biggest wager of my career on Charles Oliveira. Yeah. I've been back in Volkanovski every step of the way. But Dominic, I think Islam wins this fight. And I think he makes it look pretty easy. I saw a lot of people saying that last night, Noah. I did. Oh, really? Fuck. Yeah. Oh. I, was... <laughs> I didn't mean to tear away uh. from you there. No, I'm just saying. I saw some people throwing that out there. And it, it is just interesting. And, and the question I threw out there when I saw it is, uh, is this the biggest first title defense for a new champion in UFC history. Cause I was also trying to think how often do you see a new champion go to make their first title defense against another champion, specifically at lightweight. We had Eddie Alvarez do it against Connor. We know how mm-hmm. that turned out. Connor won. And then the only one other one that I could think of was, uh, Henry Cejudo technically did it against, um, TJ Dillashaw when he came down to 125 pounds. And, of course, Henry did win that one. So it's just uh, you you don't see this type of storyline very often. But when you factor in that Volk is coming in, yes, he's the featherweight champion. Volk's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. Islam is the protege of Habib. He just stopped Charles Oliveira's insane win streak. He's on an 11-fight win streak now himself. Finished the last four or five. This feels like the biggest first title defense for a new champion that I can recall in UFC's history. Yeah, I'd probably say the the only one that rivals it is the Eddie Connor one. Mm-hmm. I think that one's probably bigger. But I guess you you're not talking about necessarily pay per view buys. You're the probably legacy. talking more to yeah. yeah. 
Um, I still would say because Connor was so massive at the time, I, just right, right. And I mean, he was beating everybody. That I, I would still probably put that number one. But, but I at the same time, I could, I definitely think there's an argument for Islam mm-hmm. Volk to just have more at stake because I think even the biggest Eddie fans at the time probably didn't think that he was going to be like a four or five plus year champion. You know, he had came in, he had already been around for a long time. Yeah. He was a veteran. Yeah. Connor was obviously a absolute star. He had blossomed into the biggest name the sports ever seen. Um, But in this matchup, you got two guys that feel like they're in the absolute peak prime. Yes. Yes. Uh, Volkanovsky, especially like at that tail end of his prime. Well, Islam feels like he has sort of just reached the prime of his career. And Volkanovski's proven he's a longstanding champion. He's one of the best to ever do it. He's one of the best featherweights of all time. He's the pound-for-pound number one fighter in the world. While Islam feels like he has the makings to be all of that, I just said, at lightweight. So it could be a bit premature but every time out with Islam, I always have, it feels like with Islam, I always have a question. There's always something going into the fight where I'm like, I'd like to see that. Or I don't feel like he's been tested here. Or mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's ready for this moment or whatever. And every time he not only, I don't want to say prove me wrong, but he, he not only answers that question, but he does it in emphatic fashion. Yeah. yeah. So I think... There are no more questions for me. Yeah. Now it's just a matter of can he live up to the hype? Because right. now it's like the hype's real. Yes. I mean, you see what he did to Charles Oliveira, and I, I after the run Charles had been on, that seemed impossible for someone to just thoroughly outclass him everywhere yes. for multiple rounds, and it happens. So I'm thinking Islam's going to win this fight, and I think he's going to make it look – Easy in the sense of like Volkanov. It's not that's not a knock on Volkanovski. I just think I look at the size difference. It's tough. Yeah. Um, if Volkanovski wins that fight, though, Dom, where does that put him all time status? Because oh, I mean, man. I think right now he's like kind of in that like twelve to sixteen range. Maybe? Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, right. He's definitely you know he's definitely climbed a big ways over his last few fights. I mean, the three wins over Max and the yeah. Ortega fight, like. He's really building quite the career for himself. But a win there, do we look at top 10? I think. And and I know you might need to see a list in front of you, but let's kind of look back on some people that we had in our back half of our top 10 back at episode two, Dom. (laughs) Names like Stipe Miocic, names like Daniel Cormier. Uh, Jose Aldo, mm-hmm. you know, even Habib at this point is like right in that range, you know, that, mm-hmm. that back half of the top 10, you know, uh, I think I had Randy Couture, you know, mm-hmm. like where, like, do you think that he, with the win over Islam, two division champion and considering everything he's already done at featherweight, is that top 10 all time status? I think, I think for me, it would be. It's been a while since I've went over all of it, but I think so. Like, if I had to answer right now, I would say yes. Mm. If Because he's put together a lot of wins now in a row, a lot of title defenses in a row, and then to go up a weight class. And it's just the fact that he could beat someone as good as Islam. 
I think I think I would put him in that top ten somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I really do. Would you? Yeah, I can't. If wait. you had, uh, I'm going to say. Yes. Okay. Okay. But I don't know if it goes much higher than like 10. At the moment, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And I think a lot, and maybe some of that is because if he were to win, you know, this was a guy, this was a champion making his first title defense. Rather than it a would long, be a little yeah. different. It would be a little different if he was taking on Charles Oliveira. Yes, I know Islam. I guess what I'm saying is, is like if if Islam was coming in here on a four or five title defense streak, right, right, and you beat him, then all of a sudden it's like he just beat another all time great, like yeah, that propels him even more. Yeah, um, yeah, it, I would have to write. I need to write out that list again at some point just to see. <laughs> I know it's I know. always a changing the times yeah. they are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but let's get into the rest of UFC 281, Dom. My phone is on like 2 or 3%, so you may have to I gotcha. remind I gotcha. me as we go through <laughs> which fights we're talking about. But we start back on our main card. Chris Gutierrez. Dominic, he's known for some vicious leg kicks, but here he did it with the knees. And he knocked out Frankie Edgar cold in front of his fucking kids in New York. And sent him into retirement. I really just, that was all unnecessary, what I just said right there. But that's the way to cope, people. This was yeah. Frankie Edgar's retirement fight. I had a bet on Frankie Edgar. Not that that matters, but I'm just throwing it in because I only care about myself. Uh, two minutes, one second of the very first round is when this finish happens. The thrill and the agony is how you yeah. so eloquently yes. typed on our Twitter. And I think that's pretty much how I feel here. I'm really ecstatic for Chris Gutierrez because he's a guy that's been a bit overlooked and now he's going to have a number next to his name and he's got a win over a legend like Frankie Edgar. But Frankie Edgar, man, an all-time great former lightweight champion, an all-around stand-up guy, it appears. And he was at his family there. It's in the neighboring state that he grew up, New Jersey to New York. Yeah. And he gets knocked out pretty viciously. And you know, what's so interesting, Dom, was when I put money on Frankie Edgar, the reason why is because when I was really digging into kind of the losses that had stacked up for him, you look at the names he had lost to. Yes, he'd been finished, and that was definitely the more worrisome part of that losing streak. But the losses were to Corey Sanhagen, to Marlon Vera, yeah, to who am I forgetting? Was there one I'm forgetting in there? Well, he before Corey he beat Pedro, but before Pedro there was another bad loss. I don't remember what it was, but oh, he lost uh, the Creed and Zombie. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. So you know you see those names, right? And you yeah. kind of go, and even the Marlon Vera fight, like he got knocked out pretty viciously in the third round. Yeah, but what a lot of people forget is Frankie Edgar might have been winning that fight going into that third round. He might have been up two zero. I mean, he was looking great. Yeah, in that fight, um, that was part of the reason why I put money on him. I just felt like if he could implement a wrestle heavy game plan and avoid a lot of those big shots from Gutierrez, that he could really do very well for himself, win a decision. 
mm-hmm. but you you saw how prepared Gutierrez was for the level change because as soon as he thought that was coming, that knee was just ready for him. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's all she wrote. So uh, Dom, your thoughts? The the worst part here is that we all thought, like obviously I was worried on Thursday. Like yeah, I had a feeling he would lose, but we were all at least like, well, at least if he loses to Chris, it won't be anything brutal. He, I mean. And then this fucking happens. It's like, man, it, it's just, it's a shame. But hardly ever in this game do you see a legend, a future Hall of Famer, go out, mm. you know, in a good way, I'll put it. So, um, again, it's all thrill and the agony. But Frankie Edgar's an absolute legend of this fight game. Three weight classes, a lightweight champion, some of the best fights ever. The Gray Maynard rivalry in that fight itself was absolutely insane. The fact that he went to Abu Dhabi and beat BJ Penn as a huge underdog, insane. I mean, I saw a tweet that said he was like the real life, you know, the Rocky movie. That's what Frankie Edgar embodied, and I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, you want to talk about a guy debuted in 2007. That was like my come up into this sport when I was Mm -hmm. getting into it with the Chuck guys, Chuck and Randy in 2005 and like Anderson in 06 and whatnot, and Frankie was there too. So uh, it's, it's crazy, man, 15 years later. He's hanging up the gloves. It sucks he had to go out this way, but his legacy's cemented. He's a Hall of Famer. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Yep. As long as he has his health, that, that yes. and I hope he does. I hope these knockouts don't do anything yes. uh, to him long-term, then that's all that really matters. Because you're right. Even if he had gone out with a win here, yeah, that would have been a great moment. But in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have affected his legacy either yes. which way. And yes. this loss is the same thing. It won't affect him either way. Right. Um, let's move on to the one fight of the card that I was not able to watch. Yeah, uh, out of the whole card, this was in the time frame where I had just dropped off my, my dad and I was driving over to Dom's and it was a little past 10. So I didn't want to buy it because I had watched every fight on my phone on the drive home. Yeah. Because I have ESPN Plus, obviously, on my phone. But I didn't want to buy the pay-per-view when you already had it. Right just to watch one fight. So I was hoping I'd get there before it was over, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I think the picture's been painted for me on what happened in this fight, but I'm going to let Dominic kind of explain it again. Yeah. Dan Hooker ultimately gets a big TKO over the rising prospect Claudio Puelles. So give me the play-by-play, Dom. Play-by-play. Claudio Puelles comes out. Uh, Dan Hooker's jabbing here and there, keeping his distance because he was aware of the takedown, right? So mm. I was getting a little worried. I want to let everybody know I did have a bet on Claudio Puelles. I took him as a dog. Um, I will say later, and I will say firstly right now, it's the worst bet I've done in my career of sports betting thus far, but that's neither here nor there. So Dan is aware of the takedown, right? He's keeping his distance. Looks good. I'm a little hesitant like Claudio. Come on, man. You can do it. Just Get in there, throw a couple strikes, and then go for it. Well, then he does the uh, the little roll. I, I forget the Imanari roll. Imanari roll, thank you. Um, and he gets he grabs the leg. I'm like, holy shit, this is it. The dude's got three knee bars already. Here it comes. This is why I took him as a dog, baby. He locks up the heel hook even. He was trying to get a knee bar. Dan Hooker was in trouble, man. He really was. But he stayed calm. He stayed cool and collected. And he was able to fight out of it, get the fight back to the feet. And then from there on out, Claudio continued to just try and grab his leg, grab his leg, roll, grab his leg. He'll lay on the back and invite Dan Hooker down. Dan's like, no, get the fuck up. I'm not stupid. Uh, Copy and paste. The first round ended. 
I was I knew the the bet was chalked at that point. <laughs> Round two begins, um, and it was much of the same. The crowd's booing like crazy. Claudio can't do anything on the feet. Dan really starts landing now. The jab was nasty, and then the teep kicks to the body proved to be too much. I think he hit Claudio with three or four of them. The final one put him down for the count. Dan gets the body kick TKO. He's back in the win column. He holds on to the number 12 ranking. I lose my money. All is well in the world. So, yeah, no, you didn't miss much. It'll be funny if you actually do ever go back and watch this fight because you'll really get to feel how I was feeling. But, again, uh, it was just good to see Dan Hicker, Dan Hicker, Dan Hooker back in the win column. It really did feel good at the detriment of my bet. And I'll just say this. I was big on Claudio, but after that type of performance, there is a lot that he has to work on, man, if he wants to be a legitimate. Like, going into this fight, I would have called him a legitimate prospect. Coming out of the fight, not even close to a legitimate prospect yeah. compared so to stock, some of these other guys. Stock has dropped mightily on Claudio Coyle, is what you're oh, saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, big win for Dan Hooker, though, nonetheless. So He needed it. Uh, next up. I'm going to double down on this take, Dom. First off, we're talking about Hinato Moicano and his first-round submission over Brad Rydell. I said Thursday, I see a lot of Charles Oliveira and Hinato Moicano, not just because they're both Brazilian, but because a lot of those, that that same come-up, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that came in, these phenoms, these young phenoms, these guys with high expectations at a young age, they were very heavily specialized fighters in their jiu-jitsu, they struggled. They had their struggles early. They just continuously improved, improved, got older, got smarter, got better. Yes. Uh, you saw what Charles was able to take that into. Dominic, I'm going to say it right now. Before it's all said and done, Hinata Moicano will be a champion in the UFC. And I think with the call out, the performance, we are seeing a guy that is on fire right now. And he is not going to stop until he gets that damn shot. And, and Hinato want money. Noah want Hinato in the title fight. So let's go, baby. Hinato Moicano, that's my guy. Ride or die. And my phone just died. Dominic, how are you feeling? <laughs> Noah, that <laughs> chills. Anal goosebumps. We love everything about it. This was definitely the best post-fight interview of 2022, maybe of all time, potentially. I don't know if anybody was watching the prelims on ESPN News. If so, you fucking missed out. Because if you were on ESPN+, Plus, you got to hear every single word that Hinato Moicano mm-hmm. was saying. You want to talk about passion, someone that's hungry, someone that is fed up of being disrespected. It's that man, Hinato Moicano. Give that man his ranking. Give that man his money. And he didn't even get the money last night. Now that I think about it. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's something we can get into later. Anyways, mm. what a performance, man. To The fact that um, he did that fight earlier in the year with RDA on however many days notice, had to fly all the way across the world, cut 20 pounds. He went all five rounds. I mean, holy shit, the heart on this guy. And then to just come back a few months later and do what he does to Brad Rydell, made it look easy against Brad Rydell. I mean... Come on. Hinata Moicano is a legitimate talent. I don't think you can take that away from him. I knew where Hinata Moicano could and would if he was going to win this fight. I knew his jiu-jitsu was going to be too good if it got there. But Dom, he outstruck Brad yeah, Rydell. He did. He did. And when he did that, 
people might be low on Brad Rydell now. I think that's three losses in a row or yes. two, you know, two, two, whatever it is. Brad Rydell's very good. But even if, let's say, you're not big on him, the guy's a high-level striker. Exactly. So Hinato Moicano to outstrike him. Again, the, the comparisons to Oliveira are like, I, I can't even like mm-hmm. discern the two apart anymore. So um, it was a, just a great night to be a Hinato Moicano fan. Stan, that's me. Noah want Hinato to have money. I love it. I love it. So I believe the next fight we're supposed to talk about is Aaron Blanchfield, Molly McCann. Is that correct? Skipped one. No, we got to talk about Mr. <laughs> Superman, Ryan Spann, oh, knocking out Dominic Reyes okay. first. This yeah. one. Yeah. So Ryan Spann with the first round knockout of Dominic Reyes. This is a big win for Ryan Spann for sure. Yeah. But the bigger story, Dom is Dominic Reyes here and what a I think this might go down Uh, the guy's careers might not be over but it's hard to not look at what's happened since that infamous decision with John Jones and not call this anything other than a tragedy yeah his career has been a tragedy Mm. it's just one of the saddest things that I've ever been put through as an MMA fan yeah. for him to have the belt that he had so rightfully earned by beating the best of all time in my eyes, mm-hmm. John Jones over the course of five rounds to him to have that stolen from him because the judges did not understand the scoring criteria. They didn't understand MMA potentially. And then to see what's happened since then, and it's only gotten worse. Like, it has okay, gotten worse. The Jan Blahovich fight, he got smashed. It was one-sided. It was a beatdown. But you looked at how Jan Blahovich performed after that, and you go, okay, we just underestimated Blahovich. 100%. Yeah. Then the Yuri Prohaska fight, he looked awesome at points in that fight. He even flash KO'd Yuri at one yes. point. Yes. But he still ultimately gets knocked the fuck out because Yuri is now the lightweight heavyweight champion, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Now here he takes a step back, but Ryan Spann, still a deadly fighter, great power. And every time Ryan Spann touched Dominic Reyes, he was hurt. Yeah, I mean, he knocked him out with a jab. So, yeah. I mean, from start to finish, anytime he landed on Dominic Reyes, it had an effect. Yeah. And Dominic Reyes said afterwards that he was the most confident he had ever been in his defense going into this fight. And it just broke my heart. Because this is not the place to speculate on these kind of things, but I I just kind of have to say it that I just, I I don't know if I really want to see him fight anymore. It just feels like that chin is guys. The chins can only hold up so long. And when you're getting hit by these types of guys, I mean, the Jan Blahovic's, Yuri hit him with a spinning back elbow. And then Ryan Spann, like, yeah, it might have been a jab. Ryan Spann hits like a fucking truck. I don't care if it was a jab or an overhand hook. Like, it hurt. So, it, regardless of his age, where he's at, prime years, yada, 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 the athleticism I talked about on Thursday, if you don't have a chin in this game, you don't have a future in the game. So, it's just, it sucks. It is a tragedy. Noah put it perfectly. It's such a shame to see his career since 
that robbery that happened. There's a lot of a lot of. There's always that saying: you can train a lot of things, but you can't train your chin. Yeah, when it goes, it goes. I mean, we've seen it time and time yeah. again with so many fighters, man. You know, so it's crazy. The time and the money he could have made, the kind of legacy he could have had for himself, if the two of the three judges simply yeah. saw what everybody else saw. Yeah. I yeah. I mean it actually like makes me very sad that that's really how this has gone for him. It's I wish I could focus more on Ryan Span here but Dominic I mean this one just yeah. it just I I mean I do think it's a good win for Ryan Span for sure against and it's going to put him into the top 10. He said he wants top 5 next. Not sure if he's going to get that. But I like his story too, man. Ryan Span's just kind of He's really trying to provide for his kids, and he seems like a very stand-up guy, and um, he's an easy guy to root for. And he's did you hear his t- post-fight by chance? Uh, well, I saw. I just heard the part where he said, uh, "I want top five, but I don't, but not five, four, three, or two. I think is what he said, or something like yeah. that. Well, yeah. He so he said, "I want top five, and I don't want three or four. And I think it's funny he said that because do you know who number five is? It's Anthony oh, Smith. Is- Oh. And that's the guy that beat him a couple fights ago. So okay. I think that's kind of funny. But no, he said, Noah, I actually had a training camp for this fight. He said that he's never trained more than three weeks for any fight he's ever had. That's so, kind of crazy because look at the success he's said. had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So It's kind of like when Demetrius Johnson was not training full time at the beginning of his UFC yeah. run, like yeah, when he was true. a bantamweight. Like he was not training full time. He had a full time job. Yeah. It was, MMA was a side hustle, and he was fighting <laughs> Dominic Cruz for the bantamweight title. Yeah. And then finally, his coach came and was like, "You are training full time," and he went on to become maybe the best fighter ever. So you know, I'm not saying that that's what is going to happen to Ryan Span, but but I mean, look, maybe at the guy. it's it might have unlocked something here. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it, it it will not hurt that he is now more fully <laughs> dedicated to MMA. So yeah, exactly. uh, I'm I'm excited to see what's next for him. Like what kind of there's I know he's fought and lost or won against some a lot of these guys in this top 15. But mm-hmm. there are some matchups here that could be fresh and would be very interesting. And even if he were to run it back with like an Anthony Smith or or I don't know, Johnny Walker or whoever, mm-hmm. like I, I'm not going to be against it. Yeah, I agree. Let that man go on a revenge tour. Just like give him Johnny Walker, let him beat him, go to Anthony yeah. Smith, beat him, and then go to like a title fight or something. I don't know. There you go. Uh, next up, Aaron Blanchfield. Yes. With her dominant one-sided showing against the fan favorite, Barstool. Wait. There it is. Stool. Always mm-hmm. respect the stool. I Viva la stool. I can't point. Mm-hmm. Why can I not point? There. <laughs> It's hard on here. I know your struggle. <laughs> um, but Barstool's athlete, Molly McCann. A lot, I saw a lot of people online because I, I, I knew this was going to happen, Dom, because people weren't prepared for how good Aaron oh, Blanchfield no. is. <laughs> they weren't at all. No. And, even, and everybody was looking at those lines, and I think a lot of people were like, man, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. And, um, I think once the fight happened, you saw a lot of people who didn't really understand what they were watching and what they said online. It seemed like a lot of people were just acting like Molly just wasn't that good, that she didn't deserve that hype, that she, 
And I know that you get a lot of that no matter what fight. Like everybody you wants just to felt find... like it was going to be more for this one, you know? Yeah, and it was. And I think they couldn't be further from the truth. Because Dominic, I think Molly McCann is terrific. I think even if her wins before, maybe not against the top opponents in the division, but I think she had earned her spot here. I think this was a, a not a good fight for her, obviously. Not a good matchup at all. But that's the thing, Dom. Nobody is. Because here I go again. I'm going to do it a second time. Aaron Blanchfield, future UFC champion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't even think I I don't even think I I feel like if you had odds like for a future champion of women that are already in this division, she'd be like a minus minus one twenty or something. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's like crazy. So yeah, Erin Blanchfield uh, is on the she is on her way to meeting someone like Valentina Shevchenko or a Tyler Santos or whoever uh, for that title. She's only 23 years old while doing it. It's crazy. Crazy. You know who she kind of feels, what it kind of feels like to me, Dom? What's that? It feels like we're finally getting, (laughs) how do I word this? I feel like what we're watching right now is all that we thought Tatiana Suarez could be. Yeah. Oh, damn it. No, you just had to. I know. Oh. Oh. And, and Tatiana may still come back and may still be awesome. One can hope. She left off. Yeah. She still says she's trying. So if yeah. she comes back, she could just pick up where she left off. It could be like one of those Habib things or whatever where they just have that, or Dominic Cruz, they have that long yeah. period where they're out, but they come back and pick up like they never left. Right. But I'm just saying that when I watch Aaron Blanchfield, I'm reminded of my thoughts of her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when – she was sort of on her come up and it feels like now we're just seeing it. Aaron Blanchfield just seems like she is a wrecking ball and nobody is going to touch her on her way to Valentina. Am I overreacting? Maybe, but I want to see it tested. Give her top five immediately. Top three. Give her Dom. You ready for this one? If she ain't getting the next title fight, you Tyler Santos. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. See, I'm while I'm a hundred percent with you, I'm also against you because I was literally about to come on and just say, I know she's so good and she is going to be a future champion, whether that's Valentina, she beats or someone else. She's going to be a champion. She's 23. I I want little by little piece by piece kind of like mm. how tom Aspinall was approaching his heavyweight run that's kind of mm. what i want out of aaron here. so you want her to beat like every ranked person in front not, of her on not every single one but like so last night she's number 12 she called out for the number nine spot she mm. wanted to fight casey casey's obviously injured she wanted the number nine spot that's andrea lee right now okay you move up a few spots there like yes i think she wins that fight but like fight number nine then you go to top five, fight number five, and then number one contender fight. So what? what's that? Three more wins? Three more wins. Right there. She'll be 24 mm. still, maybe 25. That's what. That's all I want. That's all I want. Mm. But I'm not opposed if she gets top five because she does deserve it. I just I don't want the talent to be rushed too quickly. We've, we see it happen. We do. And we've got, we're all, we've got something here with Aaron Blanchfield. That's all. Yeah. So... I'll be we do see, see do. we do see it rushed. Yeah, but typically I don't think they look how she looks in terms mm-hmm. of 
mm. like she seems so polished. She just yeah. The Miranda Maverick fight was really that the was one. big. It was like yeah. this was the biggest name she's beaten, Molly McCann. But the Miranda Maverick fight is still to this to this point the biggest showcase, in my opinion, yeah, for her talent because. I think Miranda Maverick may be a little bit better than Molly McCann. And it, so, and even yeah. if you don't think so, where Aaron dominated her is where Miranda Maverick had basically dominated everybody else. So Exactly. That's why, I guess, even at 23 years old, John, John Jones. Yeah, he was 23. He was fast-tracked. I mean, I'm not saying I, I tend to be against fast-tracking, too. But after what I've seen up to this point, I just think I've seen everything I need to see to where any matchup up. If it's Andrea Lee, great. If it's someone like Taylor Santos, great. I just feel like at this point, you can put her up against anybody in that division that's above her. And she would be ready and prepared and probably win the fight. That's, I like it. I like it. And I'm going to save any bit of championship talk and Valentina talk for after she fights again. I'm not talking about it now. All right. I like the putting your foot down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next fight, Matt Frivola, perhaps? The last and final, actually. Matt Frivola with the KO over Amanai Zaitar. Yeah, so this is one where Dominic's going to have to eat a little crow here. Now, he was smart. Oh, boy. Despite all his talk about putting money on Ottman Azaitar, this son of a bitch ended up squeaking by with his inside the distance prop. So, or I don't know if it was that or under two and a half rounds, whatever it was. But Dominic knows deep down in that, in that heart of his, he knows why he put that bet out there. And that's because he thought Ottman Azaitar was going to come in here and knock out Matt Frivola in six seconds like Terrence McKinney did once before. Now, that is not what happened. And you, we need to start putting respect as a duo. Yeah. Because when you're bringing down the respect, it brings me down with you. Okay. Yeah, fair. And when I fail on my bets and you do okay, it brings you down with me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right. Put some respect on Matt Frivola's name. This man is not just the guy who got knocked out in seven seconds <laughs> by McKinney. He is a damn good fighter. A damn good fighter. And he yeah. just knocked the fuck out of Ottman Azaitar. And it was crazy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> just, one, one I don't know what else to say. It was just crazy. And Dominic has been trying to fade Matt Frivola like five fights in a row now. Yeah. So I hope you've learned your lesson. Yeah, I'm just going to keep taking unders now. <laughs> Matt Frivola <laughs> fights is what I'm going to do. I regret ta- not taking the under one and a half, but again... He steamrolled him, right? That's his nickname for a reason. Got it done in front of the home crowd. Guys, Amin Azaitar, I don't care that he was on a two-plus-year layoff. Son of a bitch was 13-0. and 0. Dude was mm. starching people before his layoff. So for Matt Favola to come out and do this, that says a lot. And we still don't know what was in the bag, but here we are. I know. we. So I think we need to like have a deep dive on this podcast into our theories on what was in the bag. I've heard potatoes, but, you know, whatever. You heard potatoes. <laughs> Why'd you syllabize it so much? Potatoes. I thought that's how you said it. <laughs> oh, shit. Maybe it was. Roll the tape. I've heard potatoes, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Instant replay. <laughs> Instant replay. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's move on, Dominic, into yeah. the below average bet slip. 
Yeah, I'm about sick of throwing these up on the screen. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we are men of honor around here. We always show the year to date, no matter what. You're right. Uh, except for that one week where we didn't because we didn't want to because it was really bad. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll start. Please do. <laughs> The only thing, everything on here, like that didn't hit, that did hit, it was like, okay. The Zhang Wei Li one, man, I saw it coming a mile away. As yeah. soon as Dominic sent me his picks and he had Zhang Wei Li by finish when I had already put in <clears throat> the two units on her by KOTKO, I knew that that was the smarter play. I knew it, and I was like, man, I, I went to, and I even looked at cashing out, Yeah, and I couldn't cash out the full amount. Of course. And I also was in the back of my head thinking, no, you don't want to cash out, because if you put three units on the same thing, then it won't hit. Cause that's Historically, the kiss of death. yeah, yeah. So I said, well, this is going to make it work. We will, but well, This is our workaround for the three-unit play. Me and Dominic will win three units if you know, she knocks her out and yeah. that's not what happened. Um, now I do want to let everybody know that me and Dominic are good. We are, we are, we are cool. We're, we're mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, but if we weren't, if we were not doing well, if we were not good, then I would explain to you guys that, uh, he's kind of a son of a bitch because I walk into his lovely home owned by his parents right? and I was having a terrific betting week. Terrific. I mean, some would say spectacular, mm -hmm. uh, college football had been going well. Shout out Maction, shout out, you know, everybody else, but Maction most importantly was off to a three and O start on the UFC card. Mm -hmm. Things were looking up. Yeah. I sit down I was starving because I hadn't ate all day, so I grabbed four pieces of Papa John's pizza. Yeah. And I'm stuffing my face. Yeah. And one of the first things Dominic says to me, he goes, Hey, bud, you're doing good. 3 0 right now. Uh, and I immediately lost my appetite. I felt nauseous. And it wasn't just the Papa John's this time. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like one of the first times I've had Papa John's, by the way. So that's how hungry I was. Yeah. Um, when he said that, I could have I could have puked out that food. I could have spit out that food. Yeah. Because even though it was a harmless, just trying to show me some love comment, I knew the ramifications to the betting gods <laughs> with such a comment lies. And next up, here comes Frankie Edgar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to the octagon, yeah. who I had a money line play. Dominic said, three, you're doing good. He was talking about MMA, but it had ramifications beyond. <laughs> it spiraled to everything. Going into Dom's house, I did the math here. Oh, great. For, for the day, I'm not doing units, but just like, to, you know, wins, losses, okay? From Tuesday to Saturday through college football and then MMA at that point, I was at, I want to say, I had, I think I had went uh, 14 and 5, I think it was. That's really solid. So I had done like, I was killing it. Yeah. Once Dom said that comment, 
I went one and seven the rest of the night. <clears throat> um, yeah, sports betting's fun. And if that wasn't enough, if he hadn't taken enough from me at that point, then the next fight comes. It's Uh-oh. Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. Crap. And Dominic actively was rooting mm. against me. Mm. He was yelling for Dustin. No. <laughs> no. No, you said, what'd you say? You said. Uh, uh, I wanted him to bump Michael off his back. Yeah, he said, bump him. And I'm like, and I said, oh, no, the vibes are all off. I said it, and I was like. Oh, that was back-to-back <laughs> fights where Dominic had said. I knew, I knew Michael Chandler was going to lose at that moment because Dominic took the vibes, and he went, Puh. And threw it against the wall. Yeah. Um, so I would have brought all this up if me and Dom weren't good, but we forearm shaked on it, so we're all good now. So I will not bring up all those points. Right. We never. It was never happened. <clears throat> Anything you'd like to say, uh, Dream Killer? Claudio Puelles is the worst bet of my 2022, <laughs> and it probably won't get worse the last few weeks of the year. That's all. <clears throat> if it makes you feel any better, I had the over in LSU Arkansas, which was 62, and there was a combined 23 points in that game. So you were only 39 points off. That's our game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like triple what <laughs> actually scored. Um, oh, but yeah, I get it off the screen. Yeah, yeah, just get it out of there. Yeah. But there's only one way we end the show around here, Dom. And that's what the little segment we like to call closing statements. Point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. Now, Dominic, I assume that your closing mm-hmm. statement will be a little bit of a somber note. Yeah. So I think I'll go first, and then we'll end with you because I think that's a good ending for mm-hmm. today. Um, for me, I do want to just – I think both of ours are going to be MMA-related. For me, I just want to talk about the bonuses and how yeah. shitty it is that this was the best card of the year. It was a massive fight card. It made a ton of money for the UFC. And they gave three bonuses? Or four, I guess, because both fighters in the fight of the night. What? Why are you treating us like the... You're treating us like the Lemos Rodriguez card. Like, what are you doing? That was awful, man. Yeah. And I can't help, but every time I see this now, I I just think, Dom, they should give a bonus. Here's how this would kind of solve everything, I think. You do one fight of the night bonus. Well, if applicable, two, yes, two fighters, but one bonus for tonight for that. And then every fighter that has a finish should get a yes. bonus. That 100%. would fix everything. 100%. You don't have to do because I knew they had to do away with the knockout of the night and submission yeah. of the night like they used to do. It doesn't really uh, set a good precedent. <laughs> yeah, that's I guess. fine. That's fine. But just performance of the night bonuses should just go to every finish on a card. Yeah. Uh, absolutely you don't have to pick and choose everybody gets rewarded and it prioritizes finishing from there on out for every other card it would just make it so much easier because yes i get it they like some of these cards like the london one where they were given bonuses like every i think every one and then i think even uh what was the uh, another one was it on i thought it was the one in uh long island Maybe it was Long Island. Or but in Long Island. On the the Long first Island. one in London, I think every finish got one. And then it was either Long Island or one of them in Texas. Or, no, actually, I think it was the Emmett Cater fight. I think that was the one that got a bunch of Yeah, it was of the one in the, right. the new Texas arena. You were yeah, Dallas, about. right? Yeah. I think it was in Dallas. Or Austin. Uh, UFC Austin. Austin, that's right. Yeah. Yep. What a... 
Put us on a trivia team or something. <laughs> fucking yeah. um, but yes, that card had a bunch. To me, that would solve a lot of issues because why are we? Why does it have to be just like two performance and one fight of the night? Like, why can't we just have it be applicable to the kind of card we get? Yeah. Like, if there are more, bon- if there are more performances worthy of a bonus, if someone went above and beyond above their even pay grade they should get a bonus like i just don't understand why do we pick and choose these other cards these fight nights where everybody gets a bonus and i get it they're just you know dana admits like that's just kind of how he was feeling in the moments a one-time thing sort of deal but this card made so much more how money are you than not even feeling it did. last like, night too like i i don't understand um and then you have like a guy like Hinato moicano who gives an all-time call out he literally says Hinato want money yeah. and you don't give him it you don't give him money yeah. i mean what, what well and i'm gonna be honest what makes it worse noah for me the two people that got the performance of the Knights were the people that won the title. Noah, they're already the ones benefiting the most from winning. That's Why true. do they need a performance bonus? Like, granted, That's yeah, really they true. De- they deserve it. That's great. But you're telling me Erin Blanchfield doesn't deserve a performance bonus for her dismantle? She outlanded Molly McCann 150 strikes to zero. Zero strikes were landed by Molly McCann in that fight. And not to Moicano. Dan Hooker back in the win yeah. column. Hell, Chris even Gutierrez? Carlos Olberg. I mean, yeah. there was... It's crazy. plenty. Every yeah. finish needs a bonus, like Noah said. That's the yeah. only way to fix it. It's fifty grand. It's fifty grand. Yeah, yeah but uh, I'll get off my soapbox for now, Dominic. I'm going to let you give your closing statement. I wish we could just talk about yeah. food debates or something, but there is more serious matters to attend to. Yeah, so we have to address the passing, the unfortunate passing of Anthony. Rumble Johnson, man, 38 years old, passed away today. We're recording this on Sunday, the 13th. That hit, that hit, man. Mm. You want to talk about like a a come down? We had that awesome UFC 281 um, fights. We're getting ready to prepare for the recording today, and bam, Uh, (coughs) a a, a legend of the UFC, one of the hardest hitting dudes there's ever been two-time title challenger. I mean, he was always in fun fights, win or lose. And everybody um, was raving today about how great of a person he was. Obviously, we never got to meet the guy or anything, but, like, you always got the vibes when you would hear him talk, like in post-fight interviews, for example, or whatever. And uh, it's just – it's that's two fighters we've lost way too soon this year in the matter of months. Elias Theodoro, earlier this year, I think he was, like, 34, 35. Anthony Rumble Johnson <laughs> today – um, it's just, it's very sad. Hold your loved ones close, right? You just never know. Life's short. So yeah. it, it's just, shout out to Anthony Rumble Johnson. He's a legend. Rest in peace. Condolences from us to his family, his friends, his loved ones. He's going to be missed, man. That was a guy that put a lot of people in danger when he was in the cage. It's it's, it's sad to hear and sad to see that, man. Yeah, and, uh, your tweet about it was actually very poignant because, uh, my one of my very earliest mm-hmm. memories watching MMA. The first time me and Dom ever watched a UFC pay per view at a B Dubs, which that was a very common thing for us yeah. for a long time at college. We would go monthly. The very first one was UFC 202, mm-hmm. the rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. And I remember not knowing too much about most of these guys on the card, 
but I saw Anthony Rumble Johnson knock out Glover Teixeira with the first punch in 13 seconds, and I was mesmerized. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's very unfortunate. Um, I've had a lot of my own health issues over the last year or so, and um, not that my battle compares to his, but you know, I I do think though that there's a lot of like you know appreciate you know what you have, appreciate kind of. It's easy to kind of get wrapped up in what you don't have and, Mm -hmm. you know, be wanting more and more and wanting, you know, more money or Mm -hmm. bigger this, bigger that, whatever, you know, you might want. Uh, But sometimes you just have to look around, just kind of appreciate what you have, your health, your family, your friends, like, and, uh, you know, it's just a shame, really. Yeah, no other way to put it. But I'm Noah Baker. That is Dominic Salee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.